You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is Good Morning Liberty. Not nice. What is up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nathaniel Paul Thurston. Across from me is Charles Chuck Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? Getting a lot of hate from the group. Hate from today. the group from the yeah. Fed Haters Club over here. They want to double the speed, basically, or one point two five the speed. So we got to go a little faster on the day's episode. We just started talking about. I mean, we just tell a little bit apart. We just hang out with with people. That's it. And apparently we they were don't like boring that. today. They don't like it. Yeah. We can't do that. I That's, guess we could have like secret political conversations or something that we can't have you know, on the air. It's like we always have to be on or something. You all know? the time. You just, want this fake Nate on the podcast voice <laughs> all the time, which is how I talk to no one except for when I'm talking into this microphone. You, always, you just want us to be happy. Going. You That's want it. us to just have all the answers all the time. We can't just yeah. be normal people. I'm sorry. I will talk to someone from BetterHelp about whatever my problems are. No longer will I talk to you guys. Okay, just you not going to happen. You know, it's a Monday, and I feel like there should be some empathy or something from the group. And understanding it's a Monday, we had a long weekend with with birthdays on both of our families. True. You True. know, like that, that t- takes a lot out of you. And I'm taking care of a new dog. Libby? It's been really tough on me Lady because Liberty? Lacey has had to sleep downstairs every night with a dog. And so she's in a bad mood all the time. Yeah. So you guys should feel bad for me. Yeah. You know? I'm pretty up. sure she, she called earlier wondering when you're going to be home to take care of it. Because she has to leave early. It's just, yeah. now you have this whole, this is your this nightmare. This whole thing. <laughs> this is exactly <laughs> why I said take the thing, animal control. <laughs> now, that's not the case at all. And those of you who know me know that that is not the case. I posted a video in the uh, in the, in the the Fed Haters Club um, of, the, uh, of Lovey howling. And anytime there's an ambulance, sirens, anything... Yeah. Just just long howl. I don't know if it's out of fear or if we she thinks put, it's like wolves or something out there. We should put her and Smokey together and get them howling. Yeah, just sure. They'd go back and forth. It'd be awesome. Hey. But then Smokey would try to hump her a lot. It's <laughs> true. So. I don't think she would like that very much. That's one, like, I'll be honest with you. I did actually talk to Stephanie about fostering Libby. You did? I did. Lovey is her name. Lovey, sorry. Lovey Howl. Liberty, doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, is that our rescue, Dane, is a gripper humper. He still has his dude claws, which are like these claws up here in your forearms, which would be awesome. <laughs> and what he does is he uses those and grips 
He'll hump, he humps moose. It's a problem. I feel like we went a step too far in this conversation. Just like we're one talking about dogs. Iteration too far. We're talking about dogs here. I got you. I got you. So unfortunately, because she's a female, we had to say no. Mm. Yeah. I got you. Especially after, after. And my plan was to try to make you feel as bad as possible. <laughs> So that you would eventually go, uh, you know, foster her, which worked. It has worked so far. <laughs> well, hey, this is Good Morning Liberty. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to, and we mean when we want to. Today, it's a Monday. All right. We've got a few things to talk about from over the weekend. We'll talk about the spy balloon for a second. I know everyone's here is like, oh my God, I wanted to hear someone talking more about the spy balloon. I just mm. haven't heard enough stuff about it. We'll mention it like third story, and we'll talk about some Bidenomics. You know, the State of the Union is tomorrow night, Ooh, and uh, some troubling polls have come out beforehand, basically saying that no one thinks Biden has done anything, like statistically. Except for Biden. Like 30% of America thinks that Biden has got something done in the last couple of years. They've actually put together a council of people whose job it is to go out there and let people know what they've done. Not to actually do the things, but it's just a propaganda team to go out there. It's got a funny name. We'll talk about it in a bit. Yep. We got a couple uh, funny stories. This first one uh, maybe is a real conversation Chuck and I were having earlier. Why don't you tell everyone from the Washington Post, this uh, we, we had a dumb bleep. I think it was last year. Uh, around this time. Do you remember the watermelon salad? Oh, yeah. Remember I that do. whole thing? Mm -hmm. It could have been from last year or from the year before. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, add it again. Well, so this brings up a nuanced conversation, I think, mm -hmm. because, it, you know, we talk all the time about how the snake eats its tail or whatever. But when you have all of these different ideological avenues you can go down, you start to confuse yourself. All right, so from the WAPO, school's vendor served chicken and watermelon at start of Black History Month. Hmm. On February 1st, New York middle school students were scheduled to be served cheesesteaks, broccoli, and fruit for lunch, according to a school letter. However, the meal changed on the first day of Black History Month to chicken, waffles, and watermelon. That sounds delicious, honestly. I, I would enjoy that. I love chicken you know? and waffles. Mm -hmm. In a letter to parents... Nyack Middle School Principal David Johnson blamed the school's food vendor, Aramark, for serving what he wrote was an inexcusably insensitive meal. Aramark soon apologized. The situation at the middle school was our mistake and never should have happened. It stands in direct contrast to who we are as a company and our long-standing commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, I don't know if it's time for the nuanced conversation yet, but... Yeah, this is Aramark, spokeswoman, mm. saying this. Let me finish it real quick. Yeah. And then we'll, yeah. Um, so they've been accused of other instances of racial insensitivity. In February of 2018, Aramark served a meal at New York University in honor of Black History Month. That included barbecue ribs, cornbread, collard greens, Kool-Aid, and watermelon-flavored water. New York <laughs> Times reported. Aramark said it fired the I think employees it was the water that did it, honestly. who planned the meal without consulting the school's staff. So, I mean, you know, this is just a page out of the old cultural appropriation book, you know, the, the stereotypical whatever. Everyone knows the, 
everyone knows the jokes and the stereotypes about that. And I guess that's why this is such a, a big deal where people have to apologize for it. Where I had the nuanced thoughts in my point of view was, um, what, here's what I want to know. So, so say you're celebrating any culture, okay? Well, you're Asian. I'm Asian partially a little bit. And let's say we're going to have a the Asian culture celebration day and they serve the general so's and bats. <laughs> is that, you know, am I going to get mad yeah. about that? Probably because it's general sows, but. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That's fine. It's so's. It's, it's so. Yeah. That's all That's all it is. Um, well, I guess you're Asian. Would right? I get mad? It, or whatever other culture you could think of. And they, and they have like that, a culture's food. And I guess the problem is this will just be an honest statement. I have no idea if there is a food culture and say a African-American culture, I have no clue. How would I? Yeah. But what if there was one? Let's say that there was one. And let, we'll assume that this one is, is laughably wrong. Definitely not chicken and waffles and watermelon. We all know that now. But let's say that there was one, whatever you want to call it. Could you have that during Black History Month? If there's a, if there's a cultural food... And this is where all the ideological inconsistencies start to get in trouble. Because, like, if you do do that, then you're culturally appropriating. Mm -hmm. But then if you don't do it, then, well, you're not serving, you know, you're not honoring the, the black culture. You're you know? racist if you do, racist if you I don't. I know. And see, this know? is this is the, the actual problem. And so it does lead to a nuanced conversation, like, who gives a shit? <laughs> There's one. That's one part of the like, conversation. You know, if it, whatever, I think what you mentioned, I remember when I was in high school, we went on this field trip to the college, mm -hmm. the local college. Did you say the local college? Local, local. Okay. Yeah. Southern Illinois University at the time was a decent mm -hmm. size school, probably had like 20,000 students. I think they've only got like eight now. It's <laughs> no one. Declined since mm -hmm. we left. Yeah. <laughs> at the time, it was, you know, it's a good school. And we went on this, like, uh, it was literally like a cultural, I can't remember, but it was like a cultural experience, mm -hmm. right? And they had all these booth setups from all these different countries. You had Spain and you had Ecuador and you had China and you had <laughs> all of these countries. And guess what? Most of these booths had different kinds of food. Mm hmm. That was appropriate for their culture, and you were immersing yourself in their experience. You ever gone to Epcot at Disney World? Uh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And so what's wrong with that? But I, here's the question. We don't know whether or not chicken and waffles and watermelon are actually part of, a, say, a cultural item of food, or if this is just some something that uh, racists have stereotyped on to people. So I think that's where the real question lies. I think there's two questions here. Is this an accurate grouping of food? And I'm not saying it is. I'm asking a question. And second, if it were an accurate grouping of food, or if you could identify whatever it is, is it okay to serve that food during Black History Month mm -hmm. to celebrate a culture? Yeah. That's what I want to know. We need to know what the food is. Is it fried chicken? Watermelon? If it is, what's wrong with that? Ah. <sighs> Anyway, you, know? you, you let us know. And see, the problem is Aramark has this long-standing commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And maybe they thought, hey, we're going to be inclusive here. 
But then when it, it becomes bad PR, they're like, oh, we're, we fired that person. What if like you took a vote? What if you took a vote and the, the people at school, let's say you just, okay, it's Black History Month. You just had the black students vote on like, what do you want to, what do you want to be served? And the vote came out chicken, waffles, watermelon, uh, grape drink, or like whatever. Yeah. And that's what it came out to be. Is it okay to serve it then? Or is it still like, oh, no, people have used that to make fun of people in the past. Therefore, even though that's what y'all want, we still can't serve it because racism or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's actually just like white supremacy. Uh, you're still living inside of me. You have no idea. Yeah. That's why you like that. I don't know. It's a difficult conversation. If anyone, I'm not saying anything specifically, but if anyone with better knowledge of this subject could write into us, more than us could write into us and let let us know, Charlie at GoodMorningLiberty.us. You let you let us know. You know, you know. In a couple of months, something uh, Cinco de Mayo is coming up. Mm -hmm. you know, that and, is my wedding anniversary. And typically, you see all the Mexican restaurants have specials. Yeah, you know. Now is a, it's. Is that racist? I don't know. I mean, we've already been having the conversation about Taco Tuesday for the last few years. Everybody and loves Taco you Tuesday. You can't attack. That's an American institution. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh. go. We got to get the spy balloon, but we got another one before this. This is just a weird situation. I wanted to talk about it because we're going to follow this story, and I'll show you the weird part. So this New Jersey city councilwoman, I'm going to say Eunice... Dumb four? I don't Dumb know. Dumb I don't know how to say it. Let's call her Eunice. Okay, she got murdered. That's not good. And the government is saying that it appears to not be politically motivated. Now, she was uh, gunned down, uh, and I believe they had 12 shots. I'll just read from the New York Post here. The shocking murder of Sayreville, New Jersey, Councilwoman does not initially appear to be politically motivated, according to the Garden State Governor Phil Murphy. Murphy told WMYC Thursday that the murder late Wednesday in which a 30-year-old Republican was repeatedly shot in her SUV, which then crashed with her slumped over the wheel, felt very specific. Unfortunately, this is continuing a quote here, unfortunately, there's very little that is known right now, Murphy said in his weekly sit-down, but it does not appear to be related to her position as an elected councilwoman in Sayreville. Now, if you're not why if you haven't heard about this at all, this is a black city councilwoman Republican that unseated a Democrat was targeted. I mean, someone literally just killed her in her car as she came home and then ran and then ran off. It wasn't a robbery. What I find really weird about it is they say we don't know what happened at all right now. There's very little that we know, but it's not politically motivated for sure. Yeah. But we don't know who it was, why it happened, nothing. We know nothing about this, except for the fact that this has nothing to do with politics whatsoever. That they somehow know for sure. They know yeah. that part yeah. right there. And I think if you flip it, if she was a Democrat, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it would have for sure been racially and politically motivated. Of course. Yeah. But being a black Republican woman... We know nothing except for the fact that this had nothing to do with the fact that she was a black Republican woman. Shot 12 nothing. times. Nothing. Yeah. So anyway, I just want, we'll keep up on the story. I doubt, uh, 
I mean, I searched all over, and the most recent story about this was from two days ago, and it's all talking about the same stuff. Like, no one's talking about this yeah. at all. Like you said, if the, if the situation were reversed, it'd be bad, yeah. real bad. Mead says here, weird that it's not labeled an assassination. <laughs> it's, it's just a random act of violence, I guess. They have Shot no clue. 12 times. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's awful. See, we don't like death on either side. It doesn't matter who dies. Don't just, like it. It's just awful. They say uh, officials have yet to point to a potential motive for the murder of the Republican who was elected in November 2021 after upsetting the sitting Democrat. Tell you where you need to look first, right there, as that upset <laughs> Democrat. All right. All right. Now we get to uh, talk about this balloon. Balloon. <laughs> I wasn't actually going to do it on the show. I did. That's just too far. No. But I give you permission to do that. I That's can. Okay. I can quote Team America if I want to. You can. Yeah. Alwick Baldwin. Did you guys follow this thing? Uh, like as it was going, it was kind of. It was fun. It was one of those things that takes over the internet for a few days, and everyone's talking about it. Just thought it was ridiculous. And then soon after, we won't talk about it anymore. Mm. And that, and then that'll be it. This from Reason. By shooting down Balloon, the expensive, useless F-22 fighter finally won a dogfight. This is how you make this a relevant conversation mm. uh, after the fact. All right. When it officially entered the military service in 2005, the U.S. Air Force hailed the F-22 Raptor as an exponential leap in warfighting capabilities. American taxpayers ultimately paid $67 billion to buy 187 of the planes, which has been in development since 1986. 30 years. Or Ooh. sorry, 20 years. No, uh, you were right. The uh, 86 to 05, basically 20 years. Oh, 05. I wouldn't mm. mean paying attention to what other year you were talking about. Okay. To oh, since 2005. I got you. Yeah. To project air dominance rapidly and at great distances with technological with technical capabilities that cannot be matched by any known or projected fighter aircraft. On Saturday, the F-22 scored its first ever victory against an airborne adversary when it shot down a balloon. Um, Good job. Hey. Do you think one this, and oh. You think this guy's gonna get good he's gonna be like an ace. He's like a top gun. Ace right here. Air metal. For for F-22s. He gets to put like a little painted picture of the balloon on the side of the airplane, probably. <laughs> One balloon down. Also, it's so weird that they waited. I know. The whole time. What do you think's up with that? I, First off, how'd they know so quickly it was a Chinese balloon? I don't That's know. That's what I want to know. I didn't, I looked in close. It didn't say made in China on there anywhere, but I guess you could assume. I get, I don't know. They Unless they've been tracking it for that long, mm -hmm. uh, or they, you know, they just... They just know where all these balloons are, and they're always paying attention to them. Or they know where it actually came from, and they just wanted to say China. Yeah. Because they felt like it. Yep. Quote, the Air Force's intention to replace virtually its entire stock of current fighters <laughs> with next-generation airplanes costing more than twice as much reflects Cold War habits. That was Michael O'Hanlon in a 1999 Brookings report. That was in 1999. Mm -hmm. Given the unlikelihood of other nations acquiring such advanced aircraft and the fact that major advances in capabilities can be achieved by improving munitions and sensors on existing U.S. fighters, these planes are unnecessary in the numbers now proposed. 
The wars in Afghanistan and Iraq did not require air-to-air combat against advanced opponents. By 2004, a year before the F-22 officially entered combat service, the Pentagon scaled back its plans to purchase over 300 of them. Now, what they basically did there, I believe, is they bought into the sunk cost fallacy uh, because by 2004, they were like, oh, yeah, we really don't need these things, do we? But we've been developing them since 1986. And just an insider story for everyone, I went to some military bases way back when. Long, 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 long time ago, but I can still remember we we were talking to some of the pilots on the base, and at this point, I'll just say we we were in UAE, the United Arab Emirates, and there was a little thing back and forth between the F-22 pilots and the F-15 pilots, and the F-22 pilots would be like, oh, yeah, our plane can do anything, you know, most advanced aircraft we got out here, and the F-15 pilots would be like, well, our plane's not pointless like yours is. Like We actually get to do stuff. And they were flying back and forth uh, to Syria at that time. And the F-22s, they're basically just not used for anything because they can hardly carry any munitions. They don't have a long range. Uh, the, other, the other fighters that we have actually do all the, the, the killing that we need over there. <laughs> yeah. We don't have anyone to dogfight with is the problem. But this balloon was no match. I took it, it down even, easily. Did it even put up a good fight? Any I mean, type of maneuvers. It made that it we pre- know about. I don't know if it did. A gust of wind could have come up right beforehand. <laughs> I mean, this thing came what Alaska? Yeah, on down through well, Montana's. I, mean, I, I got a, I got a course. You got a well coming from the heartland here at this time. There's tracking. They're using like their Doppler radar at this <laughs> time. I think. On CBS 42. It went right over our homes. Right over the jet stream there. It was a little too high to shoot down. A lot of people were like, oh, I'm going to shoot that thing down when I see it. It was like, it's at 55,000 feet. And trust me, shooting straight up, I know that that's safe and all, but I don't think it's going to make it that far. It's too far, you know? A little far. I don't know. Apparently. Watch out over the next couple of days. Just, people might have tried to shoot it down. I know that. I guess there was no danger posed by this thing, apparently. But what if there was? That's my only problem. I know it's really easy to criticize Biden and the administration and Biden's weak and all that. Of course, they said there were three of these things happened while Trump was president uh, that no one was freaking out about. But they, they brought that up and they said they uh, briefly breached U.S. airspace while Trump was president three times, which could mean over the coast somewhere. This was not briefly. This thing floated over the entire United States. Yeah. Um, And so what if it was dangerous? That's the problem. Are you telling me that that's what we're going to do when there could potentially be a threat? Tell me that thing didn't have COVID on it? Oh, it for sure had COVID. Now you can't post this on YouTube. COVID balloon. No, COVID's a very serious problem. We should all take it very seriously. That's why I'm worried about this balloon. Mm, you know, right. that was a very dangerous thing for them to yeah. do. All right. The Pentagon is always fighting. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me just skip down here. Mm. Um, American taxpayers were kept on the hook for the F-22 far longer than they should have been. Now we're paying for its replacement, the F-35 fighter, despite major advances in drone technology that are likely to make fighter jets even more obsolete in the coming decades than they've been for the past two. But hey. Maybe someday the F-35 will be called upon to protect the country from a serious threat, like a kite or a hang glider, Mm. or maybe even another 
Baroon. More more balloons coming out there. That's right. This, you know, we talk a lot. The reason we're bringing this up, and I would say the reason that uh, Reason.com is bringing this up. Thank you, Eric Boehm. We spend too much money on our military. And we we basically pay a bunch of these military contractors a ton of money for stuff that we don't actually need. And I get that it's cool to have stuff for when you do need it. You don't We don't know for sure that we would never need them. So maybe you have a few of those things out there. Um, I like that. Hey, it's first time it ever shot something down. This was like actual defense. This wasn't even over, well, it was over, over a sea, but this wasn't over some other country. Now, they did let it float over our entire country before they shot it down. It's a weird thing, right? And I know it's, okay, it's not a big deal. It's a freaking balloon. Maybe this stuff happens all the time. But what if, what if the bomb was disguised as a satellite with cameras and stuff on it, you know? And you, you just didn't know. And you're like, oh, well, we're just going to wait it fly. We don't want it to fall on a cow in Montana. And so we're just going to let it float over the over Washington, D.C. <laughs> Instead, yeah. you know, there was nowhere they could shoot it down. In Montana, there's a better chance of it hitting someone off the coast of the Carolinas. There's someone on a boat, some poor sap out there in a catamaran that paid 50 bucks for an excursion from their resort. Yeah getting hit by this thing than someone out in Montana. So I, I don't know. It's really weird. Really also, weird to me. if they knew it was a spy balloon, why would they let it go across? It, even if it was, or uh, even if it was legit, just like a spy balloon, why are we letting them take pictures anyway? I mean, I guess we have satellites. Like, what does it matter? That's the thing. There's what's so many, the, what's it going to do? Who cares? I saw people posting about, well, this is what you want to do if you want to do an EMP attack. Because uh, it's best, I guess, for it to be overhead at this high altitude. And that's what they would need to do to have a successful EMP attack. And maybe they're just testing to see what we would do if a balloon was floating over the United States. Obviously nothing. The answer is nothing. <laughs> you would only be able yeah. to get anywhere between Montana and, and the capital yeah. and do whatever you want. Why didn't Canada shoot it down? I don't even know if they knew anything about it. <laughs> Never heard them. Mentioned it one single time, eh? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to roll this Nina Turner. Yeah, exactly, T-Dub. What if it was full of candy? You know? <laughs> Kids in Montana could have had a bunch of COVID candy. Could have been good. Only yeah. it's not Cinco de Mayo, so they weren't <laughs> trying to swat it out of the sky or anything like that. Oh, you guys have to join... What is it? The Fed Haters Club? I'd call it the Fed Haters Club today. You guys got to join the Fed Haters Club. Join gml.com. Some great gifts in there. That's a good one, Magoo. I remember that. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know about y'all, but I'm my best self when I'm doing things I truly care about, like this show, day trading, spending time with my family. But when I get overwhelmed, I have a tough time doing those things, even when I know I need to. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to that best version of you, because when you feel confident and empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything life is throwing at you. I'm one of the many people who have benefited from therapy, by the way. It helped me filter through all the noise, get down to the root cause of my problems so I could actually solve them and move on. But if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P 
com slash GML. I'm going to roll this into the next story. We'll move on from here. Nina Turner says, yes, you deserve a raise. And you got to watch this on the video. But what she posts is this graphic. It shows real weekly earnings versus our real GDP versus GDP since 1971. Odd year. to Oh, sorry. Q4 1972. Odd time to pick mm -hmm. right then. Huh? That's kind of weird. Maybe. Because we, what I want to know is what happened in 1971 that would make 1972 the best possible time to choose to make the best point that you possibly can. Could be something that Nixon did. I'm not, I'm not super sure yep. what's, uh, what's up with that. Also, what's the asterisk here? Real weekly earnings of non-supervisory production workers. Yeah. Yeah. So not... Not anyone in a supervisory or above role. So your your lowly minimum wage workers at whatever place you're thinking of. And what you'll see is And people stay in that low level forever. It's nobody ever moves up to a supervisory role. You think we haven't said enough racist things on this, Charlie? <laughs> you're gonna start talking about nuance. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. It's so, so fun. I'm just going to start. So you're telling me entry arguments. level jobs yeah. stay relatively entry level? Oh, for their their entire lives. Yeah, that's the way it works. The job, though. The right? job does. The job stays yeah. entry level throughout okay. its entire job okay. existence. Yeah. So the U.S. wage levels have not kept pace with economic growth. And Nina Turner says you deserve a raise. What it shows is your real weekly earnings have actually gone down a bit. They start this at 100. There's your fixed point. It's a little below 100 for the real weekly earnings, the real GDP, all the way up to the 350 on the scale, just to show how much this changed. And what this means is uh, that's that same productivity gap that you see in productivity has gone up a bunch, uh, but the wages have not followed. In this case, GDP has gone up a bunch, but the wages have not followed. There's one really big issue with this whole argument, <clears throat> and most people probably don't realize this when she posted, especially if they follow her and take her seriously, is that government spending is included in our GDP. Now, not all of it, not like Social Security, not what they call transfer payments, but our government spending is included in GDP, meaning if you wanted to make this case, you just add in a bunch of government spending and that's what raises the GDP and people's wages actually go down a bit because you're inflating the weight of currency during that time. And you could say, you guys deserve a raise. Look how much our GDP has gone up. But since the government expenditures are included in the GDP, it never has to go towards anything that's actually productive. It's a, it's a really flawed stat, mm -hmm. by the way. And I brought, brought other stuff here. This is from investing.com. Key takeaways, government purchases include any spending by federal, state, and local agencies with the exception of debt and transfer payments, such as Social Security. Overall, government purchases are a key component of the nation's gross domestic product. According to the Keynesian theory of economics, government purchases are a tool to boost overall spending and correct a weak economy. So you can look at GDP and say, oh, hey, look, GDP went up. It mm. could just be that you spent more money. Think about how ridiculous this is. Chuck, if you want to grab this right there. All right. This is from someone at George Mason University talking about how ridiculous this idea is. Hiring a worker who, through no fault of her own, accomplishes absolutely nothing raises GDP if the government does the hiring. Hiring a worker who, through no fault of her own, accomplishes absolutely nothing, does nothing to GDP if the private sector 
does the hiring. There doesn't have to be any production out of the government side. There has to be productivity out of the private side. Right. But GDP counts government salaries as, quote, government expenditures as soon as the government hires a person. But the consumption and investment parts of GDP only count genuine purchases by the private sector. So if a private sector product spends years in the incubator burning through thousands of person hours of work and millions of dollars of salary but never sees the light of day, then the product never shows up in GDP. But if the government had hired those same workers who worked just as long on a, sim- uh, on a similarly fruitless project, their labor would give a big boost to GDP. Government hiring creates GDP by definition. Private hiring only creates GDP if the worker actually creates a product. I'll tell you a little bit more how this number is just a lot of BS. And what Nina is using to say you deserve a raise could be highly affected by the fact that our government expenditures have skyrocketed since we have completely left the gold standard and could just do whatever we wanted with our money. You're saying that's what happened in 1971? That's one of, one of the things that happened. Now, hmm. uh, you could look at these uh, few good charts here, like uh, federal government consumption expenditures since that time just shooting up that entire time. Uh, total public debt as percent of gross domestic, domestic product going up that entire time. And uh, here's the other part since the time frame. This is the inflation. And that line that's marked right there, that's 1971. She's talking 1972. That marks 1971. Uh, since then, the consumer price index has gone up 647%. Jesus Christ. Since that time. In the time frame before that, it was 80%. Uh, before, before that, now there's less years. They count that from 1948, but it was roughly double the, ne- the same amount of years afterwards. And yeah, 650%. And so when you look at Nina posting, you deserve a raise. Look at all this GDP growth that we've had. It means nothing. Is what I'm saying. I mean, they named it real GDP. It says real. So we know yeah. that. Yeah. What that means is they deduct the other stuff out of it, like uh, imports, exports, yeah. all that. And then the the real number. Now, I do. I need to say that I, you know, I feel for people who real, like, your dollar doesn't go as far at the grocery store. I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're at the groceries or you're paying for childcare or whatever the case may be, you're living paycheck to paycheck. Even though you may be making, you know, forty, fifty, sixty, eighty thousand dollars a year, and you're like, man, I should be, you know, doing okay. Yeah, in nineteen seventy or eighty, you'd probably be doing fine. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is not that you haven't gotten a raise. It's the actual inflation uh, from the government that that brings down the purchasing power. That's the actual problem. If we want to talk about it, now, can we raise everyone's wages to meet that? Well, you're just going to keep exacerbating inflation. It's just you can't chase out. Without actual production, and here's the problem. Since Mm. the government expenditures are included in our production, the government only spends money that it takes from other people. Either it takes it now or it takes it later. Those are the only ways that it takes it. But it, it doesn't mean that it's real production. It's your money that they took. And then they put it in. They said, oh, you should have gotten a raise because we took some of your money and put it in the economy. Why didn't you get a raise? And then we inflated away the currency. And by the way, when they spend all these trillions of dollars and then they give it, they talk about the the top 1% or top 5.5% or whatever it is. 
Yeah, they give it to businesses or the Fed makes uh, investments. They're buying securities or they're buying bonds, whatever it is. And the people that are at the top of that, well, they, they get the benefit of those investments as they filter the money out. I'm not saying it's better to give it to the bottom because that actually create the inflation a lot, a lot faster. Um, as we saw with all the stimmy checks, mm-hmm. we got a twofer. We got it on top and bottom, uh, maybe middle out, like what Biden likes to say too. I'm not really sure. Inflation from the top, the bottom, and the middle out uh, during this last little batch. So don't let them fool you with these fake numbers. The good news, I'm going to take the first little bit. Maybe we can two for this. Okay. The good news is that apparently they're not fooling everyone. You know, we've talked about all the propaganda that's been going going on from the White House Twitter account and yeah. Biden's Twitter account. It's been heavy. It's the propaganda relations <clears throat> campaign. Yes. PR. <laughs> the PRC, actually, the yeah. People's Republic of China or the pop- propaganda relations mm-hmm. campaign, whichever that's one. Right. Um, apparently, this new poll, which is done right before the State of the Union, which is tomorrow night, where Biden is going to get in front of everyone and in between annoying bouts of clapping, he's going to talk about how great of a job they've done and how they've created all these jobs and new businesses and wages have gone up, which is a literal lie. Except Kevin McCarthy is going to sit there and do nothing. And sit there behind him. Yeah. I guess that'll be fun to watch. What if he takes the speech and rips it up afterwards? <laughs> he should bring his own shredder up there. Yeah, what he, he should, should do. Just a one up. Yeah. Nancy. Okay. So Americans are not feeling the impact of Biden's agenda. The post- Washington Post ABC poll finds two years into a presidency that the White House cast as the most effective in modern history. President Biden is set to deliver a State of the Union address Tuesday to a skeptical country with a majority of Americans saying they do not believe he has achieved much since taking office. According to the poll, the poll finds that 62 percent of Americans think Biden has accomplished not very much or little or nothing during his presidency while 36% say he has accomplished a great deal or a good amount. On many of Biden's signature initiatives, from improving the country's infrastructure to making electric vehicles more affordable to creating jobs, majorities of Americans say they do not believe he has made progress. So it's not working is basically what's happening. Yeah. What's this first one here? Great deal, good amount, U.S. adults, 36% say great deal or good amount. Now, it's so crazy the different worlds that we live in. Look at this. Democrats, 77% say that he's done a great deal or a good amount. Mm -hmm. Only 22% think not much or little to nothing. Republicans, 7% think he's done a great deal or a good good amount. 93% say little or nothing. It's the independents there. Look at that. Independents, 32%. uh, Great deal, good amount. 66%, not much or little or nothing. Now, what's weird is the Republicans would say that Biden has done a ton of super terrible things, but also 93% say that he hasn't done anything Yeah, same time. Well, and it's because what's happening is for most Americans is they, they're being severely affected by the inflation, mm-hmm. you know? So obviously they, they're going to say, well, you know, I can't buy eggs, you know, $8 a dozen now, Yeah, you know, can't buy no eggs, can't. Can't feed my kids. Can't put gas in the car. You know, that's that's affecting real people. And so, of course, they're going to be like, it doesn't matter what you say about electric vehicles or anything like that. Like, they're feeling this stuff every single day. And so they're going to have a major problem. Major problem. 
So Biden has said the Obama administration did not do enough to tout all of its legislative victories in the aftermath of the Great Recession, and he has promised to not to repeat that mistake. The mistake was not telling people enough all of the great things that you were doing for them. The president recently said he put together an implementation cabinet. Now, I would, my initial guess would have been that this cabinet's job was to implement changes that like, are great for the American people. Like the agenda. The, like whatever the, the, yeah, the implementation cabinet. They were the ones that were actually going to execute the yes. plan. You implement things, mm -hmm. I would think. But their job is to do nothing but let people know what they've already done. The implementation, yep. they are implementing the propaganda because the people are too dumb to notice. That's really it. Yeah. Like, it's all they're talking about, and this is the best economy in history that, you know, just the fastest job creation, best thing you've ever seen, and people just aren't buying it. It's kind of a white pill to me. I could do that job. Yeah. Hey, everyone. <laughs> everyone, come see how good, good President Biden's doing. That's basically what a bunch of these yeah. people on Twitter do all day. Oh, man, the memes are hilarious. They're so – it's just a team. That's all it is, a team sport right now. On the question is – uh, on the question of whether Biden has made progress in improving the affordability of electric vehicles, 26% of Americans say that he has, while 56% say he has not. By the way, they say those expanded tax credits authorized by the Inflation Reduction Act became available to car buyers in January. And here's the problem that they're running into that I added them. They have a $7,500 credit for EVs. And they're upset that when they ask people, like, has Biden done much to decrease the cost of electric vehicles? And people are saying, no, he hasn't. And they're saying, well, people just don't know about the $7,500 credit because it just came out in January. But the problem is, is that the average price of an EV has increased by about $11,000 over the last two years. More than the $7,500. More than the credit. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, folks. And so while they're What like, did we say on our show, by the way? When we first one? read about this oh, credit, yeah. we said that the price of electric vehicles are going to go up by at least $7,500. Well, they already had the inflation and increased buying power that people had in the first place. And then they added in the credit, which roughly increased the price of everything by the, the credit on top of the already increased prices that they had at that time. And so, yeah, they're upset that people don't know that they've reduced the prices, but they're reducing the prices from an increased level that still makes them more expensive than when Biden took office. And they are just upset that people don't see it. Mm. <laughs> I guess they're upset that people do see it. Uh, keep, keep going there, Chuck. Perhaps most troubling for the White House, about a third of adults say Biden has made progress creating more good jobs in their community, while 60% say he has not. Biden has overseen the fastest pace of job growth in U.S. history, with unemployment reaching lows not seen in decades. They're still trying to shell for him. They're still doing it. At the same time. Like, oh, let me write about this article where Biden has terrible numbers and I'll still try to make up for him. The fastest pace of job growth in U.S. history. And they're like, well, we need people to go out there and propagandize for Biden because they just don't see it. No, they're maybe they're not as dumb as everyone thinks they are, because all you've done is make back the jobs that were taken away from people. Plus a little bit more. If you started off at break even. This has actually been kind of slow. But at the growth. same time, so you're getting some job growth in some sectors, but then at the same time, you're getting layoffs in other sectors. In other really high-paying sectors. Yes. 
like yeah. people who work for Apple and Google and Microsoft. Yeah. And Dell. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. The president received more good news Friday with the release of the new data showing that the labor market added 517,000 jobs and the unemployment rate dropped to 3.4%, the lowest level since May of 1969. I'm happy to report that the state of the union and the state of our economy is strong. You still can't buy anything, but mm. yet a growing number of Americans say their, their own financial circumstances are worsening on Biden's watch. Roughly four in 10 Americans say they are not as well off financially since Biden became president, up from 35% one year ago, and the highest percentage to report such a sentiment under any president in these polls since the measurement began in 1986. Now that's an important stat. Wow. That is the highest amount of people that have reported being not as well off as they were yep. since 1986 when they started this. Because it doesn't matter if you make a like a billion dollars if it costs you yeah if you're still living paycheck to paycheck well, right because your monthly expenditures have gone up you know to a hundred or what, what would that be yeah about a hundred billion um, or a hundred million dollars a month some of these new jobs they they could they could be accounting for people getting multiple jobs. That is possible. The unemployment rate did go down, but that's a tough number to look at because it doesn't count people who stop looking. We know that the, the um, unemployment to population ratio is still not what it was before the pandemic and the labor force participation rate is still not what it was before the pandemic. And so something's off. And then you look at real earnings and they're actually down throughout this entire time. So adding those jobs while people are still don't have as much buying power as they used to, like who gives mm. a shit? It's basically what people are saying. Yeah. Almost, I'm skipping down a little bit. Almost yeah. a year after Russian troops invaded Ukraine, 50% of Republicans say the United States is doing too much to support Ukraine, up sharply, up sharply from 18% last April. So there's only 18% last year that said that, that Biden, that America was doing too much to support Ukraine. Mm-hmm. McCarthy, who will be seated behind Biden during a speech Tuesday, secured his speakership while pledging that the House Republicans would form a subcommittee to investigate allegations that federal agencies have been weaponized against conservatives. The poll finds that 28 percent of Americans think federal government agencies are biased against conservatives, while 11 percent think they are biased against liberals and a larger 42 percent say they are not biased either way. Biden, that's all the people who don't pay attention. Yeah, that's just yeah. you can't. They're, they're, they're people. They're like, Twitter? What? They're going to be biased. So they're talking yeah. about the federal government agencies are not biased against... 42% of people think they're not biased in either direction? How is that it's, possible? It's all the people who don't care yeah. about social media. That's, that's true. Like, they have an account, but they, they're like, well, whatever. Biden is also likely to use his speech to touch on the wave of mass shootings that have taken place during his presidency, including several massacres in the past month. He may reiterate his call for a new ban on the sale of assault weapons, something that appears to be losing public support. White pill right there. The share of Americans who back banning assault weapons has fallen to 47%, down from 56% in 2019, and one of the lowest levels in the polls over three decades. So that is another white that's, pill. Yeah, that's another good one in there. Yeah, he's not. Th this might be why they're trying to take him out. Because they know that he, well, they know he's not going to win re-election. Yeah. With these numbers, there's no way. The political analysts are looking at this being like, yeah, even if 
we could call upon the heavens and God himself came down and told the American people to reelect Joe Biden in 2024, they wouldn't do it. Mm -mm. And they know that. So (laughs) there's no way around it that they're going to have to find someone like Newsom. Also included in that, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that, uh, 58% of Democrats in this poll said that they need to to nominate someone other than Biden. 58% said someone else, not Biden. And uh, so to, I guess to recap the story here before we go today, because I'm going to go take care of this dog, you know. Um, I think it's starting to show through all the, the fake, all the fakeness of this economic growth, the new jobs, the wage growth, all of those things. And you got someone like Nina saying, oh, look, our GDP has gone up this much compared to what real weekly earnings are. Well, a lot of that, when you look at all the numbers of how much the government spending has gone up since that time and the fact that that's included in GDP, I'm not saying it's the whole thing, you know, um, it, it's definitely not. There's, there's been growth, but they keep taking, just say they take our money and then they use it to pay someone who works for the government or they use it to pay for some government program or whatever it is. And then that goes into the GDP and then they tell us that that means we deserve to make more money. That's a really weird, mm-hmm. really weird system that we're yeah. doing. I think what we're seeing is it's not working out. And this Keynesian theory, like what they even, that was investing, was it invest, what's the uh, the website that gives you all of the definitions on stuff? I can't remember which one it is. The Investor Center? The Investor Center, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I called this guy. <laughs> uh, it's funny, they even mentioned Keynesian theory of economics. Because we're just, we're taking money from people and then we say because the government spent it, that means that the GDP went up. But there doesn't have to be any actual productivity behind that. They're assuming. It's the difference between, as we always use, Apple holding debt and spending money and they have to produce something from that for that to make sense for them. And the U.S. government holding debt in your name, which eventually you or someone else has to pay off, and they put it towards something, they don't have to get anything from it. But that still gets counted in GDP. The government doesn't have to look at any type of ROI. No. They say, they say like, hey, we're making an investment. This is the whole modern monetary theory. Their ROI are votes. Yeah. That's what the return on investment is. It doesn't actually have to be any financial ROI. It doesn't actually have to be good for the country. Vote numbers. Right. As long as it, and as long as it's good for your votes. Yep. And that's the whole, yeah. I mean, people are seeing the modern monetary theory, Keynesian you know, charade play out again, just like it did in 2008, just like it did in the dot-com bubble. I mean, we just, went hard on the MMT this time. And, and look, it, it's going to, this is going to keep happening until we figure out a way, hopefully before everything crashes like Rome did. And let, until the balloon pops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we figure out a way to get government spending under control and head towards a direction of uh, not inflating the currency, of keeping people stable with a normal cycle of uh, ups and downs. You don't want massive booms and busts? In a normal market so people can be more stable. But who knows if we'll see that. Um, You know, I think libertarians and conservatives, people who, who believe in economic freedom, get a bad rep because it's like, oh, well, you don't care about poor people. It's like, no, actually... We care the most about them. Literally, 
we don't want to see things like this happen. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like I said, I feel for people who are living paycheck to paycheck right now being like, man, you know, I can't afford groceries or I'm t- having to decide whether to go to the doctor, or whatever. All the while you're making more money than you probably ever made in your whole life. But you, the purchasing power isn't there. It's like, I care most about those people because now, I mean, it costs more money to help poor people than, than it used to back in the seventies. You know, mm-hmm. it's just insane. It's insane. Now you got to buy them drugs. You know, it's like I'm getting tools for drugs. I I watched um, or I saw this rerun of The Price Is Right back in um I think the seventies, uh, when it kind of first started when they first introduced uh, Plinko, and you still had the you had the opportunity to make twenty five thousand dollars in Plinko, and now I think they've upped it to fifty. But twenty twenty five thousand dollars in the seventies, by the way, is worth like two hundred and eighty thousand dollars today. And the mm. price is right has raised it up to 50. Look at those so, winning thefts. So it's like, man. So it's like the, even the money, it's just, it's mind boggling when you think about inflation since, what did you pull it up since 1972 has gone up 650%. I mean, it's just gross. Mm-hmm. It's just gross to think about how little the dollar actually goes. People and actually, we've seen this play out in history over and over and over and over and over and over again, and it never goes well crazy part is that people are still questioning like oh what the heck's happening i have no idea what's happening why are real wages going down and why all this like here's the chart here's the only chart you need to look at right there there's your consumer price index uh since you can look at since 1971 if you want but that's 647 percent look how much our government spending has gone up how much our debt has gone up all the money they've put into all of the things that were going to make your life better and we've actually just inflated the currency away 647% since this time. And we're questioning what's wrong. Not really a question. It's just, we're only arguing for political gain. That's about it. The people who are acting like it's something else just so they can win elections and get your money. All right, we got to go. Well, and then the modern monetary theorists will say, well, if we were to print this money and put it into things that we would actually receive a return on, it's like, well, that's a big fucking if, but they don't because it's never happened. That's, that's <laughs> they they don't look at monetary return on stuff. They look at vote return on. Well, things. they have no that's incentive. No. They have no incentive to have a monetary. No, their return. only incentive is the voter return. Right. It's like you could say, well, NASA pioneered space travel. Well, it's like, well, yeah, but SpaceX because they have incentive to save money has drastically reduced the price, and NASA doesn't care. They don't care because they're going to get the bunny anyway, and they need to actually increase their budget. So they better spend all of it doing all. It, it's just like, to, it's so obvious. And it's kind of funny. At the end of the day, you can probably say that NASA, uh, on the on the charts, NASA has a greater ad on our GDP than SpaceX does, which is because they spent way more on the rockets. Disgusting, and they'll yeah. come up with this one big gaudy monstrosity rocket looks like it's 40 years old and it's brand new and because it's so freaking expensive i guarantee it they got a bigger hit on the gdp than spacex does probably yeah it's gross and there's a good example right there yeah. all right y'all if you enjoyed today's episode please join the fed haters club that's join gml.com join gml.com be part of the live group they're a lot of fun even when they're hating on you us. like the fed haters yeah. club fed haters fed haters the Fed, Fed, the Fed, FHC. Fed haters.
you guys, is that okay? We'll see. Hmm. We'll take a Democratic vote. And then we'll decide. And then we'll still make <laughs> the choices. Join gmail.com. Go do that. Go to Nate's Crash Course if you want to learn about the market. That's a good place to go do it. Sign up for his million and 30,847 videos. He's got loaded up there to show you everything from don't know a word yet all the way to at least knowing what's going on. At least a word. You'll learn at least one word. Yeah, at least a word. Takes 103 videos. Nate'sCrashCourse.com. That's Nate'sCrashCourse.com. And then also GodHatesFeds.com. That's the place to get all your lovely merch. If you do all that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning liberty. <laughs>